if you're new with us this morning, maybe you're listening to us online right now. Uh, we've been going through the New City Catechism questions, and we're on question 18 today. And really, the catechism questions are a way of teaching. They're a way of taking us from beginning, who is God, all the way through to where we are today. And the question that we're asking, and I will just ask the question, and you can answer uh, when it comes up on there, but the question, will God allow our disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished? And the answer is, and say it with me, no, every sin is against the sovereignty, holiness, and goodness of God and against his righteous law. And God is righteously angry with our sins and will punish them in his just judgment, both in this life and in the life to come. Now, that was a long sentence. But think about that. And the short answer, say it with me. No, God is righteously angry with our sins and will punish them both in this life and the life to come. And the scripture that's used, it's one we'll be pre preaching from today, is in Ephesians 5, 5 through 6. And let me read it to you. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Words that need to be taken to heart today. Brother Dennis Staub, we come and read uh, this morning Psalm 23. And if you want your pew Bible there in front of you, 541 is where you'll find that, 541. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rad, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Brother Terry Venny, will you come? As we continue to pray, one of the things as Terry's coming is that one of the things that we are doing as a church is uh, just expanding involvement. The reading of the word, prayer, song, preaching, all the components and practices of the church that are all necessary and needed. So, Brother Terry, will you pray for us? I will be praying 1 Peter verses 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for us, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 
In this, you will greatly rejoice, though now for a little while we may have to have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of our faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though we have not seen him, we love him. And even though we do not see him now, we believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of our faith, the salvation of your souls, of our souls. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with us and talks with us along the narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. This is how we know he lives. He lives within our heart. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Terry. Well, one of the things is we continue going through the catechism questions. And, I, and again, I just want to emphasize this uh, to us today. Uh, any question like this taken out of context or taken out of a sequential form of questions and answers would make no sense. It just would not make sense. And so it's really important for us to understand that here we are at question 18. And if I could just say this would not make sense if you didn't first go back to the first question that deals with the whole picture of God. Who is God or what is God? And really begin there because everything flows out of that perspective, that Christian worldview, if you will, that is so important for us today in the, in the day and age in which we live. There is a God, amen? Really, all of life, all of history Everything that is happening, even up to this day in our world, is really, it's not our world, it's God's world. It's his story. It begins with God, and it's not that it ends with God, but it will end well with God. All right, and so we need to understand that as we ask these questions, that there is, that is a fabric that is all woven together. It's like a piece of a puzzle. All the pieces need to be connected. And so the, the big idea in this, this piece today is, is this, and, and here it's, we don't like this, but God will judge and punish all who sin against him. And here's the thing that I just want you to understand. Think about this. There, there should be a response, okay? And it's, it's really twofold. First and foremost is this, awe. Awe in respect that there is a God, a holy, mighty, righteous God who is just, who will discipline all who disobey, all who refuse to follow him. So there, it should bring us to a place of awe, of genuine respect and honor. The second thing that really ought to happen is joy. Amen? Joy because of Jesus Christ that we've just been singing about and reading about through the word. God's answer to our sinfulness is so important. You see, many people today live lives that are inconsistent with God's word and God's standards. It may appear that these people are enjoying 
uh, great lives, that they are living uh, they're living the way that they want to with the idols that occupy the place of God. And sometimes as believers, we may wonder how these people are getting away with this at all. Have you ever been there? How is the world getting away with what they're getting away with? Have you ever wondered that? It's just, you know, we might even ask, can I get away with it? Why does God allow this to happen, this idolatry and disobedience? Are there no consequences for disobeying God? The apparent lack of immediate consequences can be somewhat seductive and even attractive. Today's catechism question uh, helps us to understand that God hates sin and idolatry, and he has clearly stated in his word that he will judge and he will punish all who turn away from him. Folks, we need to know the whole story. We must keep the whole story in mind. Our hope today, this morning, is that this message would give us a greater understanding of how God deals with those who disobey Him and encourage us to be concerned for those who have not yet responded to the gospel. Because here is something to remember as we go through this this morning. This is a worrisome topic for you and I this morning if we have family and friends who are not believers? Are any of you in that category? Oh, come on. You can raise your hands to that, okay? This is bothersome. This is, this is frightening. It should be frightening for us. We become anxious when we consider that God will punish every unbeliever who has turned away from him and trusted in and followed the created things rather than God the creator. But the other side of this that is just kind of a, a paradox, if you will, as important as an issue as this is, it would seem, and please hear what I'm going to say, it would seem that our current world culture considers the idea of eternal punishment as absolute nonsense. The world that we live in today does not see the consequences, does not even consider the idea of eternal consequences as something to even think about. So last week, question 17 reminds us of what idolatry is. Idolatry is trusting in created things rather than the creator for our hope and our happiness, our significance, and our security. Question 18 then appropriately asks, will God allow our disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished? And so again, we need to keep this at the forefront of our thinking. Since God hates sin, folks, God hates sin and idolatry. This question helps you and I understand what God is doing and what he is going to do about sin and idolatry in his world. What God is going to do. You know, again, while it's easy to to think that God is not doing anything and that he's letting people get away with disobedience and idolatry. I just want to encourage you to read. There's, there's a lot of places you can read, but read Psalm 73 when, the day, when the, uh, I think it's David is writing this and he's just really talking about what he is seeing in his world culture at that time and all the things that they seem to be getting away with, but then he comes face to face with God in the temple and he sees their end. 
in Psalm, in Psalm 73, he sees their end, their, the consequences of their sin and their idolatry. So throughout history, all over the world, and right up to present day, the practice of punishment has been observed. Really, when you think culturally, historically, in different parts of the world, in different types of governing uh, bodies of, of government, there has always been some form of punishment has been observed. So those who are caught committing crimes have always been punished. Now we see that that is being lessened and lessened as we, as we watch it here in America, but, but we actually like the idea of justice, except, and I'm just going to say this, except when it applies to us. You get that? We like justice, punishment, except when it applies to you and I. All right? And here's the thing, and we need to understand this. And again, this goes, again, back to one of our catechism questions. Because we have been made in the image of a just God, it makes sense that we, who are his people, will like to see justice prevail. Because we are created in God's image, God is just. He is a God of justice, and because of that, that part of him has been ingrained into you and I. It is part of who we are. Justice is important. God is indeed just, and the Bible clearly states that he will punish those who disobey him and worship idols. And here again, of course, we need to keep this also in our mind. God looks at the heart, and so he is the only person who can fully know the disobedience and idolatry that a person is guilty of. And though, although many people think they are getting away with uh, living godless, idolatrous lives, that is actually not the case. God is watching, and he will punish every sin against his sovereignty, against his holiness, and against his goodness. So again, as we... As we look at the context here today, again, I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, and let me just read it to you. We just focused in on a couple verses, but I want to start at the beginning of Ephesians 5 and read down through verse, uh, the first part of 14. And it says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as his beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness." But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. 
and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is, is, is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Just an incredible passage. I stopped it. You could read the rest of it. Just write it down to, to finish reading it. But one of the things that we need to say as, as, we, as we look at this, that the Apostle Paul writing the words of God is encouraging the church at Ephesus as well as every believer that would ever live. He is encouraging us to live in a way that is consistent with being members of God's family. He is exhorting you and I to put off the old self, the old lifestyle of the flesh, and to put on the new lifestyle of walking by the Spirit of God. He is challenging us to live holy lives that are glorifying to God. And in one of the ways that he does this, one of the, why, this is the reason why he is speaking this in this particular context here in Ephesians 5. He does this, he explains there's, there's a motivational fact here. He's explaining the certainty of judgment and punishment. It's so important for us to understand. You know, there used to be, a, I'm going to date myself by saying this, but there used to be kind of a cartoonish movie uh, series that was on TV, Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. And, and it was kind of one of those deals where, you know, kids could get away with anything from mom, which really didn't happen in my family. But... Uh, but uh, kids thought they could get away from him. So she would always say, wait till your father gets home. Can I just tell you from a spiritual perspective, Paul is writing this to the believing church and he's saying, wait till your father gets home. We need to understand that we've been saved by grace. But that doesn't mean that we can live any way we want to. He wants us to live in, a way, in ways that are pleasing to him. So when he says in verse 5, for you may be sure of this, basically saying, make no mistake, guys, this is definitely going to happen. No one who is living a life that is ignoring God and loving idols will escape God's anger and his judgment. Why is he saying this? Why is he making this so emphatic here? Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Because he knows and folks, I, every once in a while, I, I kind of peruse through different messages and uh, things that are being out there on the Internet. And I'm telling you, uh, some of the stuff that I even listened to yesterday just made my hair curl. People that claim to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and are profaning his name. The Apostle Paul says, don't let anyone tell you otherwise because he knows that some will say that there is no God. Others will say, don't worry, God is a God of love and therefore he will not judge or punish anyone. Some will say, it doesn't really matter. In the end, everyone will be with God in heaven. Folks, those messages were in Paul's day and they're still out there today. And we need to be aware of them. And so the Apostle Paul says, do not let 
anyone tell you otherwise. If you're going to hear it, hear it from God himself. Hear it from his word. So Paul warns that this simply is not the case. And at the end of verse 6, he says, God's wrath will come on those who are disobedient. So these verses in, in Ephesians 5 contain a clear warning. And, I, and I'm going to just balance it here, just so, just so you know where I am. Okay? Not, to, not to dilute or, or, or to lessen the blow here or the conviction, but, but here's the warning. First, that those who have put their trust in Christ can be grateful for the great exchange that has occurred when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Amen? There's been a great exchange. Instead of our unrighteousness, instead of our lostness, our blindness, our darkness, all of that has been exchanged in Jesus Christ. So within the text, within the context of Ephesians, that is there. We received Jesus Christ's righteousness and became right with God. Jesus took all our sin into his own body and bore God's wrath on our behalf on the cross. So for the believer, in response, we should be joyful and we should at the same time then be battling against idolatry and disobedience that bombards our hearts and our lives every single moment of the day. There's this kind of this contrast between thanksgiving and joy and yet awareness because later on in Ephesians, then he says, put on the full armor of God. Why? Because we're in the middle of a war. And Satan wants to snuff you out. He wants to take away yours and my testimony, yours and my um, ability to be God's light and God's holiness and God's righteousness and God's truth on this earth, on this planet. Satan wants to take that out. So there's this balance, amen. There's this balance between thanksgiving and joy and yet awareness, and then suiting up. Put on the full armor of God. And Paul reminds us in the next few verses that, that, that Christians, that we must live as members of God's family, as children of light. And that means in our lives, and I've just said this, but I just want to say it again, that our lives should shine with God's goodness and God's righteousness in God's truth. You see, here's the thing within the context of what Paul is saying. God's ultimate judgment will occur. It will occur at the end of history as you and I know it. As life, life as we know it, when it comes to an end, when the trumpet blows, when the history of man changes into the, however this is going to work out, okay? When it changes that point at the, at the trumpet, here's the thing that we need to understand. At that time, he will punish all those who have sinned against him, all who have denied the truth of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that final judgment or that final punishment will be eternal separation from God. And it's called hell. We don't even like to say that word today. So when will it happen? The final judgment will be at the end of history. Uh, when Jesus returns, Acts chapter 17, 31, 
Matthew chapter 25, 31 through 46. There are a multitude of other verses, but Jesus himself spoke of the judgment that would come. What will the punishment be? The punishment will be separation from God the Creator. By the way, we're going to learn more about this in Catechism question number 28. But for now, Matthew 13, 41 through 42, Luke chapter 16, 19 through 31 are references that you can go to. What will happen to those who are not Christians? Can I just say this, folks? I've had so many conversations about this when they think about loved ones, family members, relatives, dear friends. What will happen to those who are not Christians? Can I just tell you this? Only God knows and understands where people stand in relationship to him and those who have denied the power of Christ's salvation will experience eternity without him. That's the reality. That's the truth. Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Folks, this is sobering. It is very somber to think about. But I want you to understand as God speaks to us today, when we ask the question, will God allow disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished? No, it will be punished. It should motivate the way that you and I live, but it should also prepare us and cause us to want to share the love of Jesus Christ with those around us. And folks, can I just tell you something? The reason we're doing this thing right here, something more, is so that we as a community can reach our community for Jesus Christ. That's it. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't have anything else on your schedule, you better be there. You need to be there. You need to bring your friends there. Folks, they will hear the gospel. Kids, children will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Young people will hear the gospel explained to them. Adults, we will all hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will be invitations given. But we don't have to wait for that. It's an event. Folks, we are living in the middle of an event. It's called God's story. And the only reason we're still on this planet is so that we could fulfill his mission to reach the world for Christ. Can I just tell you this? The, the greatest excuse in all the, in Christianity is there, uh, it is one of fear. Either I don't know what to say or I'm afraid of rejection. And can I just tell you something? I know and I understand that emphatically, but can I just tell you something? If you are in any kind of a relationship with anybody, I guarantee you that if you are really listening and if you are really asking questions, you can take any conversation to a point where you can share Christ with them. I guarantee you. You don't have to conjure it up. You don't have to try to weasel it into a conversation. It will happen so, so naturally that you'll almost miss it if you're not paying attention. And so I just want to encourage you with that. And the other thing that I want to encourage us with today is because God is speaking to us, the believing church, even in Ephesians 5, talking about punishment that is to come for those that are unbelievers. But there is also the challenge for you and I as believers. And I want to read a text that it's not going to show up on your screen. I want to read Hebrews chapter 12 as we close up today. Hebrews 12, 1 through 12. And I want you to listen to these words. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Did you catch that? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God, uh, the right hand of, uh, of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have, uh, and, and, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Now catch what I'm going to say. Here is God speaking to you. My sons, and I'll say my daughters, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord loves, or for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son and daughter whom he, reserve, he re receives. For it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and as daughters. For what son or what daughter is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Because besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, I love this, Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. I love that. Folks, can I just tell you this as we close? If you are a son or a daughter, a child of God, if you are a part of God's church, the church of Jesus Christ, then know this, that God your Father will lovingly discipline you, all of us, who belong to him. And here's why he does it. He does it to course correct us back in line to our first love, and that is Jesus Christ our Lord. Because I'm going to tell you this, that every day of the week, every moment of the week, you and I will be distracted. We will be tripped up. We will look elsewhere. We will look for something else to fill the gap for our needs and our wants and our wishes, and only Jesus Christ can fill that. And God, the loving Father, will discipline and chastise, course correct us to bring us back to that place, as it says in Revelation chapter 2, where you would repent and fall on your face before Jesus Christ, your first love.
That is what he wants. Folks, I don't know about you, but every day that is my journey. How about yours? Every day that's my journey. I echo the words of the Apostle Paul, I have not yet attained. How about you? I have not yet attained. Folks, we have not yet attained. And because of that, yes, discipline is coming. Discipline is there already for us every day. God will do whatever it takes to bring you and I back to the throne, His throne. And it requires repentance. It requires confession. It requires that you and I would submit and say, God, I have lived my life without you. Even today, in the choice that I'm just about ready to make, I, when I think this way, here's what happens to me. Sometimes when I'm about ready to act on a thought, because I think those thoughts, the Lord says, you don't really want to go there, do you? And sometimes I say, well, I kind of do, but I know it's not the right thing to do. And right at that moment, folks, kids, right at that moment, I have a choice to make. Either I honor God or I honor self. And as soon as I, if I choose to dishonor God and I honor self, that is called idolatry. Because now I have placed myself on the throne that only God deserves to be on. Folks, you and I are in this battle. You and I have friends, family that are not yet saved. Folks, can I just tell you in the big eternal picture of judgment and punishment, there will be judgment and punishment that this world has never seen, does not know, will not understand, but it is there because God is a just and a righteous God and he will not allow sin to go unpunished. For you and I who are believers, we begin with praise God. Praise God that I have been saved. God, help me to walk the way that you want me to walk. Help me to love the way that you want me to love. Help me to obey you the way that you want me to obey. He has shown the old man what is good and what is right to love uh, but to, to be just and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Read that just this morning in my own quiet time. Just a great reminder. In your bulletin, there's going to be some family talk questions, just some things to talk about, about at home with your spouse, with your kids. I'm not going to walk through them. They're there for you. Um, hopefully they're there for you. So just think about those questions as we move forward. As we're seated, just join me in singing the chorus to Greatest Thy Faithfulness one more time. Great.